0: dude imagine dominance so strong that one of your drivers can take a nap halfway through the race come back out and you still win the constructors cup he was lining up at the buffet line they told him to go put
1: his helmet back on and get back out there
0: he was laying on the couch in his little room back there he already took the helmet off he was out of his race suit he was in the shower somebody knocked on the shower door like hey man we need you to get back out there he's like looking for his helmet, just race suit. <laughs> Welcome to Turn 1, a Formula 1 podcast.
1: and jeremiah
0: ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the japan race recap with your turn one host jeremiah and thomas quite an interesting race i I didn't know how i felt about the track at first it's definitely a driver's track not necessarily the most action but pretty cool race
1: there was a couple instances of bumper cars. You know, we've seen that a couple tracks around this year, but certainly at turn one, which we'll get into, there was a little bit of that. And then there was a lot of bumping and moving throughout the races. They were dive bombing turns, and there was fights between teammates. And
0: and then there's Valtteri Bottas. Getting T-boned, and then there's
1: Kevin Magnuson getting... Who else got T-boned by Sergio Perez? <laughs>
0: Just people coming out of nowhere, I think it was K mag, and he was trying to chase him down and then finally just spins him. He's like, "Get out of work. <laughs> done with you, man. I want to go take my nap. <laughs> oh, that was a crazy race.
1: All right. Take me through some of the stuff that happened pre-race. What did we get out of qualifying that interested you?
0: I'll back it up a little bit more and just touch practice just because there's not a lot to talk about, but just to throw some stuff out there for everyone. I watched FP1 and immediately realized, all right, Red Bull's back. Max is going to win. Anyway, what's next? (laughs) FP3, we finally got to see that, okay, McLaren is going to separate themselves from Ferrari. I mean, we saw Max put down a banging lap, and then McLaren came within two tenths. But then we looked at the Ferraris, and they were both like six tenths back. I was like, McLaren is hot. All right, now I'll jump into qualifying. There you go. Q1 Logan Sargent slaps the wall. <laughs> At what point do we start talking about him in the same realm as a Nicholas Latifi, Nikita Mazaspin? Real quick, a side note. I think we're starting to understand this logic in
1: F1. Cause like when we first became true fans, the new people in the sport were Latifi, you know, Nikita, Mick Schumacher came along eventually. And we're like, man, they didn't, I mean, Nikita's a whole other thing, but the other guys were like, man, they didn't give them much time in the sport to develop. And I think now we're just seeing it, right? Like you can see when a driver has it and when they don't, even when Oscar Piastri was in an underperforming McLaren, you could see that he had that ability to drive the car.
0: He made the smart moves around the corners. When he had passing opportunities, he got the job done. It just looked like clean racing from a car that wasn't able to put out as much. And now you've got the Williams. That's, I mean, we've seen what Albon's doing with it. And yet we all a Logan Sargent appears apparently sees is just walls.
1: And if you're Logan Sargent or any other driver that's either a rookie or new to the sport on an underperforming team, just keeping it on the track and finishing the race is the best thing you could do. Even in this race, if you finish last, look at K Mag on Jeremiah's screen. He's
0: fifteenth. That's better than most of your finishes this year. Right. Just finish the race. Just stay on the track. That's it's- all you have to do. So to end off Q one, like I said, Logan Sargent out. Another top, another thing I wanted to bring up: Lance Stroll is out in Q one again. Yeah, and to talk
1: about that. Who cares? That's hurtful,
0: is it? You don't care either. You're right. I really don't. At this point, I'm just wondering when the billionaire will cut his son. Jeez. <laughs> bring up old Alex Albon. <laughs> I mean, realistically, Alex Albon and Fernando
1: Alonso would be a nasty lineup the Spaniard and the Thai British phenomenon. (laughs) (laughs) Duking it out. Yeah.
0: You two, Both Alpines gone. Gasly done. Ocon done. Now this is starting to become a reoccurring trend. Not a fan. I think it's time that we take Alpine off of their pedestal of best of the rest. They are no longer the top runners of the middle of the pack. They're now in the middle of the pack. I
1: agree. And, and it's, I would say it's disappointing but we haven't been huge Alpine fans. I mean, we'll treat them fairly in terms of an analysis, but and they then just don't Ryan Reynold's. Bit, they don't they don't bring a lot of excitement to the table, you know, and so until we see some major moves out of them. They had a nice recovery drive which we'll touch they on did. a little bit throughout the yeah. race, but nothing to inspire confidence out of that
0: team yet. And finally Q3. This I had to make a point. I had to do the math to see exactly what the difference here was. Oscar Piastri out qualifies Lando Norris by 35,000 or three and a half hundredths, however you want to read that. That is nuts. Well, they said that um, some of those younger
1: drivers like him and Liam Lawson have had a ton of experience in Japan. I guess they're running that track a lot in the feeder series. And so maybe they've just spent m- as much time as some of the
0: F1 drivers on it and they're just comfortable. Speaking of a lot of time on that track, Yuki Sonoda got to Q3. He didn't crash. He finished a race. <laughs> he got Well, yeah. But the big deal here is that he got to Q3. <laughs> I'm
1: just happy he stayed on the track, man. <laughs> and Jeez. his car didn't blow
0: up. Maybe next time
1: he can get points. And, and, I mean, we've got to add, you know, Jeremiah touched on this when he's talking about practices, but we... I was a little concerned about Red Bull. Obviously, I knew they were still running with the season, but after last week, I didn't know how things would turn out. You know, maybe they'd try something new. I predicted that they might give him some new parts this week, which they didn't. He wins and takes qualifying, uh, takes pole qualifying by over half a second.
0: So that's that's pretty good. The craziest part is that, honestly, he didn't even need to set that time. The time that he had set before that was faster than everybody else. That was just a victory lap that was faster than normal, is all that was. But to end out your qualifying, I'll round out and give you the top five Max Verstappen, Oscar Piastri, Lando Norris, Charles Leclerc, and Sergio Perez.
1: There we go. Okay. Looking at Suzuka, we covered a lot of this in our race preview. So if you want to learn a little bit more about the track and the history and some of the major turns, I encourage you to go back and check out our preview. Uh, we'll skip some of that for now just because we do have a lot of race action to get into. Um, just recapping the qualifying results, looking at the grid. So as the race is, they're about to start their formation lap. You're looking at the grid. Where's, where's the places to look one, look over in the pit lane for Logan Sargent, who is starting out of the pit lane with a 10 second penalty uh, tacked on. Uh, They tried to explain it and I didn't really look into it, but apparently he added parts to his car too early in the process.
0: No. So like I said, he biffed the wall in qualifying. So the any dude when they moved the camera over to his race engineers in the in the garage they were all just sitting there just like with the amount of work that they knew they were going to be doing all night but because of that work they put on the parts that weren't the ones that i think went into parfum and because of that he was starting from the pits rough ouch uh
1: the other thing is liam lawson starting in 11th i think i predicted in our preview that he would get points again So close. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Sergio in the top five, only the third time in 11 races, I believe.
0: Jeez, dude, he's in the had fastest car.
1: remember that a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how every drive was a recovery drive. I think that stat proves it. <laughs> and then finally you have the two McLarens lining up two and three on Verstappen's pole position.
0: So if all of Sergio's races are recovery drives, is this a self-destruct drive? I,
1: he has a clause in his contract somewhere that says you have to race 17 laps and you can take a break and then you can
0: go back out there and we'll give you a million dollars. I think he has a clause in his contract that says make Max look amazing. We'll keep start, you around another year.
1: <laughs> let's get into the race start in turn one. I'll be taking us through this week and Jeremiah can color in as he'd like because there was a lot of action. I will say when the when the lights went out and we started, I was looking at the front of the pack And I was watching the front of the pack going around the turn. And then all of a sudden, I see this huge cloud of dust in the back of the screen. I was like, like, whoa, 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 whoa. And the cameras were following the leaders of the pack. I'm like, are we not going to address what just happened back there, F1 TV? (laughs) So I'll I'll try to cover this from both sides of the track as best I can. It's lights out and away we go. Piastri is angled aggressively outside. Verstappen is angled aggressively inside. We're going to have some kind of action here. They both dive in towards each other. Verstappen does get a slightly better jump than Oscar Piastri does, so he covers off Piastri. But meanwhile, in that battle, old Lando Norris pulls the here-through-goes-Hamilton or through goes Hamilton move and tries to swing around the outside of Verstappen, but Verstappen's able to cover him off as well. At the same time as this is happening, as the leaders of the pack are approaching the start of turn one, Sainz is playing bumper cars, Uh, And trying to fit somewhere he doesn't belong. Yeah. (laughs) He was swinging the car left and right, and he clearly didn't fit in the gap that he was trying to get into, but we'll get back to that. Um, At the same time as that's happening, a further group behind them, you have Ocon, Stroll, Botas, Zhou Guan Yu, Alex Albon, and Kevin Magnuson all piling up at the back of the pack. Ocon, I believe it's Ocon, dives left towards the outside, Possibly collides with Botas, who then slams into Alex Albon.
0: (laughs) Albon goes airborne.
1: Goes airborne. I thought it was a lot worse than it actually was. Now, granted, everybody got a lot of damage out of that, but I thought somebody would immediately retire, and they didn't. They all kind of kept going for a little bit. Meanwhile, back to the leaders. Verstappen is holding now the lead on Norris and Piastri while all that's disaster is happening. And as we round into turns three and four, you see Alex Albon well behind somebody else kind of ran off the track with a lot of smoke coming off their car. And I never actually saw who that was. Uh, Maybe Botas or Joe or something like that.
0: I believe it was Botas and it was a a consequence of turn one.
1: And then a little bit later in the lap around the Dunlop curve, we almost had a, I mean, we did have a good battle, but almost some real action with Sonoda and Lawson going wheel to wheel. Oh dude, that was awesome. (laughs) They went like three or four turns just, Right there. Side Nick. by side, dude. That was the best fight of the whole race. Those two. <laughs> so as we approach the end of lap one, and then we'll go back and recap a little bit. Your new order is Verstappen, Norris, Piastri, Leclerc, signs Alonzo, Perez, Hamilton, Russell Lawson. Your bottom five is now Albon Sergeant Joe Ocon and uh Botas. Joe has damage, wing damage, Botas has a puncture and wing damage and we get a safety car.
0: <laughs> so I'm gonna clarify a couple things up because it makes the story even better. Joe has wing damage because of Botas's car. Botas' Botas's parts come flying off and just wedge right up into <laughs> Joe Kuan Yu's uh, wing, taking out pretty much all the performance for both of the Alfa Romeos. So there's your first, there's your little battle there. Up towards the front where you're talking about Charles Leclerc and what kind of happened right there. I believe it was Sergio Perez tried to go for a move in between cut up the middle, or it was Charles Leclerc. And what happened was, is you had Lewis Hamilton on the outside and either Sergio or Carlos on the, uh, on the other side. And they kind of sandwiched the car in the middle. He had nowhere to go. So he tried to back out. You can see that he gets on the brakes and kind of starts to get sucked back into the vacuum. You know how that always looks when the other cars are taken off. He tried that, but. Boom gets sandwiched, and then in consequently, uh, Lewis Hamilton takes damage. he goes off off the road into the grass, and then for the next like two or three laps, he is struggling to get all to get to grips with those tires as now they are pretty much done somehow. I think they were talking about it's because he has all that dirt and debris on his tires and he had to shake it off so that the tires could start to melt and you get that stick again. But wow, man, it took him long to get that done. I I, re- I took the note, I think
1: on lap three, that Hamilton's team reported in that small amount of damage because that's when the radio message came in. But that likely came in towards the end of lap one or right when the safety car was triggered. And it was almost right after that, which we'll get into here in key moments in lap five where him and Russell start dogfighting and he runs off the track. So now he's got the damage and the tires are covered in mud. And- yeah. <laughs> a rough start for the seven-time champion
0: I will say Max Verstappen in the post-race press conference they were talking and he was like I saw Piastri he was coming up the inside so I went to go cut him off and then I looked in my left mirror and I see Lando coming around the outside (laughs) and I was like he didn't know what to do. He had both of these McLarens just dogging at him, trying to get at least one of them to slow him down, even the slightest bit, because we see what happens. If you can get in front of Max, you can at least lead a couple laps while you fight him off. I mean, he'll eventually get it back, but we could have saw something great there for a little bit.
1: What I want to do next is I wanted to get in some of the bigger moments, and then in the bigger moments, I want to tie back into some of the things that happened in the race, because there were a couple funny messages. We got some funny George messages, I think, again, We had some strategical things. We had some dogfight battles happening. So I think we can hit all of those as we go through key moments. Uh, Jeremiah, certainly if I leave something out that you want to touch on, uh, let me know. Okay, big moment, key moment number one, the turn one chaos that took place and the pit strategy madness it caused. What you have when you have people taking damages, some are forced to pit. Some like Lewis Hamilton can stay out. The Lewis Hamilton staying out led to a battle with George Russell, which we'll touch on in a minute. But you did have Albon, Ocon, Sargent, Botas, all pit and rejoin. You also had Perez pit and get a new wing. That kind of started the downfall of his day. So now you've got seven or eight cars that are kind of out of order. And you don't really know how they're going to play in later in the race, because this could either have been a one, two or three stop race, depending on what team you're on and what strategy you're in. So a lap one safety car just throws a wrench into everybody's plans for the day when they've accounted for 53 laps. Number two, Russell and Hamilton begin a 48-lap battle on lap five.
0: It really was, wasn't it? Now that I go back and think about it, it was just them fighting each other, whether it was one of them trying to hit early so that he could get the undercut, just just those two battling. So on lap five, you have uh, Russell
1: fighting with Hamilton uh, for seventh place. At this point, Russell's in eighth, Hamilton seventh. Russell goes inside, pops a curb, and then moves into seventh, but somehow keeps part of his tire on the track. Hamilton then immediately gets a slipstream on the main straightaway, goes outside and gets seventh back. Gotcha. (laughs) And I made the note, we've noticed this in a couple
0: of races now, where
1: has this aggressive Russell come
0: from? I think he's just tired because if you think about it, his name was talked about a lot last year. I mean, he was Mr. Consistency, finishing in the top five every single race. And then this massive drop off for 2023 in a better car. That's the worst part. So and then, of course, now Lewis's name is back up in the top and all the spotlights because he's getting results. Lewis has found form this year in comparison to last year, and he's getting good results. And George is just falling back.
1: He should go back to being Mr. Consistency. That was a better was a better approach than whatever this mess is that he's got going on. Because it's, I mean, take a look at the results. It's not working. Um, oh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, obviously we have the results on the screen. If you're listening to the podcast version, maybe check out the YouTube version if you want to see the results, <laughs> but we appreciate you listening nonetheless. If you're wondering where a certain driver finished, maybe you didn't watch the race, you haven't seen the results yet, look on Jeremiah's screen. And if you don't see them, they didn't. <laughs> so there's that explanation
0: there's five dnfs and we'll get into those as we kind of run through this C- continuing the hamilton russell
1: battle you also had a tangle up on lap 16 hamilton in fifth russell in six hamilton runs way off the track and i think russell might have a, as well a little bit at the hairpin turn which is turn 11 maybe russell battling back on the outside they both go off at the spoon curve which is a couple turns later but ultimately Hamilton stays ahead. So there's a
0: trend here. Russell aggressive Hamilton wins. <laughs> Russell aggressive Hamilton martyr experience. <laughs> uh
1: so there was that one. And then there was a couple more throughout there, but their pit stop strategies kind of messed them up because obviously they were running George long and they were giving Lewis more stops. It did pay off in the end for Lewis. But then finally on uh lap 47. Uh, Hamilton's in sixth, Russell in fifth, and they're battling. And this is where it kind of started the end of the race strategy, which we'll touch on in another key moment. But Hamilton was simply told to remember to give room. So, hey, you can fight, but don't take us both out of the race. <laughs> exactly. Which we've heard a lot of teams give that message before. And I think we are seeing a lot of in-team battles this year. The McLarens are going at it, the Mercedes, the Ferraris they're all given a little bit of room to fight.
0: It's cool to see because in previous years, it was teams versus team. Like, you know, you had Ferraris going against the Mercedes and the McLarens and all that. And now with all of these cars, I mean, they're all relatively equal to an extent with the McLaren, Mercedes and Ferrari. But we're getting to see this actual duel. You have the Lando-Oscar battle. You have the Lewis and you have the Russell battle. And it's happening every single race. If you look at, if at any point in any race ever, like go back and look at any race this season. If you go and you look at the standings, that's always in the top right corner and you're actually going down it, it's always like, McLaren, McLaren, Mercedes, Mercedes, Ferrari, Ferrari. I mean, they're always neck and neck every single time. So it's it's pretty cool because now we're getting to see, okay, who is the better driver?
1: We even got to see that a little bit earlier in the year in Baku with Red Bull where they let Sergio win the race when they could have flipped him and Max if they had chosen to do so. King of the streets. Well, for two races of the year, that is. And then doesn't qualify in the top five for the rest of the 16 or whatever it is. Ooh. Okay. Number three, the lap 14 virtual safety car. Literally only benefited Oscar Piastri.
0: Yeah, I got that too. You had in lap six, Bottas slapping sergeant or getting slapped by a sergeant. So now there's damage there. A little bit later, they see the debris, they bring out the virtual safety car. Meanwhile, as they're bringing out the virtual safety car, Oscar is already entering the pits. So granted, he doesn't get that slowed down time while he's entering the pits at first, but then eventually, boom, all the cars on the track slow down and he gets all that time back. And I was like, what a move. And that was the quickest virtual safety car I've ever seen. It was like 30 something
1: seconds. So not enough time for anybody else to really benefit off that, which really good move for the other teams not to send anybody down the pit lane because that would have been a regular pit stop that they hadn't accounted for at that point. Okay, number four, uh, Hamilton on lap 21, I think, made his day. Hamilton had two overtakes on lap 21 that were incredibly aggressive for Lewis Hamilton, but also an element of finesse to them. It was awesome. He goes flat out through the 130R turn and passes Alonzo for eighth place and then immediately dives in on Ocon like eight seconds later for the pass up into seventh place. And that put him back into fighting position for the end.
0: Meanwhile, on the same lap, Stroll retires. Okay,
1: continue. Yeah, that's pretty much how it was covered. (laughs) We've covered it now officially more than they did in the broadcast. (laughs) Just with that. Uh, And then final one before we look back through some of these laps at any moment you want to. Switching cars. And I'm going to apply this to two different teams. Now, we talked about team orders and how they're letting teams fight. They are but at the end of the race, we noticed um, and in the middle of the race, we noticed some some switching happen. So on lap 27, I'm going to go back to McLaren. McLaren decides to switch Piastri, who's in two, and Norris in three. Norris was clearly lapping faster and was being held down by pi- Piastri. Getting mm-hmm.
0: frustrated.
1: Getting frustrated. Very good job of McLaren to not wait any longer than they did. They really only let that continue for a, half a lap to a lap, and then they told him to switch. They said, Oscar, give him the spot. He gave him the spot, and Norris goes on to take two Oscar three. So that worked good job, McLaren on the other side of things, the not so well working outside of things, this might've been the worst example of strategy I've seen from Mercedes. And, and I could be corrected on that probably pretty easily, but Mercedes usually kind of has the strategy dialed in. Now maybe their pit stop is bad. Maybe their tire degradation is bad, but in terms of strategy, they get it right. In this race, the last three to four laps of the race, George Russell's struggling. He's on those tires that he's been on for 30-something laps, 40 laps, whatever it was at this point. But he is ahead of Hamilton, and he's giving Hamilton DRS, and they're both staying ahead of Carlos Sainz, right? Mercedes comes on and tells them to switch. And George says, hey, I'm immediately getting passed by Carlos if we do that. And Lewis came on just before that and said, hey, yeah, let's switch, because in Lewis's head, he wants more points. Fair enough. The team listens to Lewis. They go with his strategy. George is immediately, and I mean within half a second, under pressure from Carlos signs like Lewis Hamilton was not experiencing. And then they tell Lewis, hey, Lewis, give George DRS. That's exactly what you were already doing. Why did you switch the cars?
0: And then Carlos very easily with DRS passes george russell who's also using drs and gets right up on lewis and and had a shot at lewis in like the last
1: two laps or so he was getting within a half a second a couple times help me explain that is there any way to
0: explain why they would switch the drivers there there's not. I think it's just uh, it's one of those, because typically whenever they make calls like that, it takes longer for the team to respond. That's because they're running scenarios. They're trying to see what the best possible outcomes in this scenario is, but I think they jumped, just kind of jumped into it. I don't think they saw Carlos putting pressure on in that instance to, like, to that degree that fast. So I think they were just caught off guard. Okay.
1: That was my biggest five moments from the race. I want to look back, not do a lap-by-lap lap here, but I want to go back and pull out some of the the other things that happened uh (laughs) lap five i noted this is just a bad day for valtteri botox we've talked about it a little bit but not only was he in the turn one chaos of getting slammed around a couple times but then logan Sargent locks up and just slams straight into the side of him and flips him around rough bad day for him Sergio Perez, obviously not a factor in this race because he he DNF'd and then came back to race and then DNF'd again, Uh, but he was given a five-second penalty for safety car infringement, and that's kind of the first time I think we've seen that. At first, we thought it was him coming out of the pit and not entering the safety car line well, but that's not what it was. It was him entering the pits and overtaking That's got to be really hard for a driver to keep track of because the pit lane is off of the main straight. It's not like NASCAR where you can kind of see everything around you. You go down a separate alley. You're turning a different direction. Your field of view. Isn't the same. That felt like a weird penalty.
0: Yeah. I didn't really sit right with me too. Just because like you said, whenever you enter the pits, you have a wall that separates you from the rest of the track. Now I'm sure they still have indicators as you enter the pits that are like, Hey, or he probably even in his helmet, you know, safety car deployed or whatever. So I mean, he should have known, I guess, but I haven't seen a penalty like that enforced. So that was wild. Lap twelve, I don't know how Kevin Magnuson finished this race because Sergio slammed
1: into him at like 180 oh, miles yeah. an hour <laughs> while while breaking.
0: That's what that's what I was describing earlier, is that Sergio just kept trying to get past uh Kevin Magnuson and Kevin Magnuson just was not having it. So finally Sergio just, hey, get out of the way and <laughs> just spins him off at a corner. Uh, Two funny radio
1: calls for you. Do you remember George Russell's on lap 17 by chance? I don't. Who do we want to fight each other or the others? Oh yeah, that was great. (laughs) Just the subtle sarcasm to the team.
0: Well, because Lewis was struggling on those tires since he had all the dirt and everything on it and he could get no traction. He was, I mean, he was slow. So George was like, okay, I'd like to get by now.
1: Lap 21, as they sh- as the cameras pan to Alonzo and Hamilton battling through corner
0: after corner, Alonso comes on the radio and says, you've
1: thrown me to the Lions.
0: <laughs> oh, Alonzo was so mad this race. I mean, apparently, I think that was the first time we've seen Alonzo frustrated with the team, if I'm being honest. Yeah,
1: because I think his argument was that they stopped too early and he wasn't right. in a position to fight that battle. And eventually he lost out to Hamilton, of course, but... I just I don't I think he wanted to be out in some cleaner air, and the team did not give him that opportunity. Lap 15 is when I noted Sergio Perez retiring, and then lap 40, here comes Sergio (laughs) out the
0: pits. The graphic designer sitting here, like, oh geez, in the pits, in the pits, in the pits, out of the pits, five laps down,
1: six laps down. (laughs) So when it first came up, it said plus six laps, and I was like, he's like 25 laps behind these guys. (laughs) And I was like I was like, oh. That's six laps from Lance Stroll, who DNF'd in 18th place. So, in order for him to qualify ahead of Lance Stroll, he's got to go six laps around just to move up one spot.
0: Which, if Lance Stroll, since Lance Stroll retired in lap 21, technically I understand because that means that he's got to go five laps to get to where that guy stopped because that guy made it five more laps.
1: I really wanted to see how the graphics
0: team handled it though.
1: When he, he passes Lance Stroll and it, he knocks it down to zero, then he, they've got to tally up the next guy ahead of him at seven laps now, and they're gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <it> move. <laughs> Just keeps moving to a new set of laps behind. Oh no! Like they should have done it know. off the like the leader maybe or the last person in the race. I don't know. Uh, let's see. That might be. That might be all that I have. Did you have any notes from the race you wanted to bring up?
0: Yeah, I do, actually, Um, because we we've talked about the Mercedes strategy of switching them and we talked about them battling and all this. I'm going to kind of harp on George Russell here. This man comes on the radio and says, might look at going plan B. Which eventually everybody catches on that. It's a one stop when he goes 23 laps before he finally pits. Meanwhile, everybody else is pitting on what? 14? After 13, there's been 12. a safety
1: car and a virtual safety car,
0: yeah, he goes 23 laps, then comes out and thinks, "Oh, I'll just ride these out for the rest of the race." No, you're not. You're going to get passed by everybody, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then he he was like, at one point later on in the race, I don't remember what lap he was on, but he came out and he was like, "I need as much pace as you can give me, or as much power as you can give me." Like, what is that to do you do? You the call. Like, excuse me. <laughs> Lab 27, we talked about the McLaren switching. There was a brief mention of it. It was kind of stunk, but we saw Alex Albon retire, making a Williams with a double DNF. That was rough. I did get to see, uh, well, no, you already covered that. Okay, I guess I'm good.
1: <laughs> All right, so your race finishes, and you have the order as Verstappen, the two McLarens of Norris and Piastri, Leclerc, Hamilton, Signs, Russell, Alonso, Ocon and Gasly, the Alpine getting that classic three-point double finish.
0: <laughs> I will say, I know we're not at the subject yet, but I'm definitely giving one of my winner's spots to Alpine just because how do you get out in Q2 to finishing, not even in ninth and 10th, they finished pretty decently. It's, it's
1: the same, well, they did finish ninth and 10th, but...
0: Oh, I thought, for some reason, I was thinking it was 8th and ninth.
1: No, ninth and 10th, but even with that being said... They, the same thing we're talking about, about Logan Sargent, just finish the race, just yep. finish the race, you know, look back way earlier in the season to Australia when they were fighting each other and blew each other up. Had they've just finished the race, their point totals would each be 10 or 12 points higher right now. Yeah. They were in the top, they were in the top six, I think of that race. Mm-hmm. Okay. Real quick before winners and losers. Um, obviously Red Bull wins the constructors in this race. Um, there might, have been an outside chance for Stappen could have won the drivers. We talked about this in our preview and I can't exactly remember if it was this one or Qatar, but I think it was Qatar was the earliest. For him. It uh, wasn't
0: mathematically possible for here.
1: So Red Bull wins the constructors, even with Sergio getting no points for Stappen gets the win and the fastest lap point. McLaren goes two and three, which is showing that they are, I think legit McLaren is the number two team right now. Do they have enough races left? What is it, six races left in the season to make Mm -hmm. any real big moves in the constructors? Maybe they might pass Aston Martin. Now in the drivers, they can certainly make some moves. I think Norris can crack up a little bit higher. But of course, Ferrari isn't doing terrible. Like Leclerc and Sainz are still going to be getting decent points. So it's going to be a little bit disappointing if you're McLaren and you have this really awesome second half of the year, but it doesn't really make any noise on the leaderboard. (laughs) just
0: because you wasted the
1: whole first half.
0: Yeah, since you're already talking about McLaren, I'll go ahead and say right now, as far as my rankings, I understand where the Constructors Cup is, but that's over the course of the entire season. I'm going to say that right this second. As it stands right now, it's going to go Red Bull, McLaren definite, and then Ferrari over Mercedes. Ferrari and Mercedes are now the ones that are interchangeable, but as it stands right now, McLaren have separated themselves by far.
1: The the Ferraris are are interchangeable in terms of who is better at this point. I think we both lean Carlos might be a slightly more consistent driver and better overall. But, you know, you see in this race, Leclerc finishes higher, whereas with Mercedes, they are really heavily relying on Lewis's finishes at this point.
0: I actually have info on that about the whole Charles Leclerc thing. Apparently, um he was talking about how Carlos has had a great shape of form and everything else recently, but he was talking about how he's just getting to grips with a car that doesn't respond in the way that either one of them want the car to respond. Charles is having, has a car that is just not doing, he says, I want to say it's, not loose enough or it's too loose in the front for what he prefers and because of that he's not he doesn't have as much trust going into the corners as he normally does which you can tell because he went from like having max Verstappen pace to all of a sudden what, dropping way down I mean it was a little weird I just but don't want Charles sense.
1: Leclerc to be another Daniel Ricciardo where you lose grips with the car and then you can never find the right fit again and you just never really win at all
0: To be fair, when Daniel Ricciardo was on McLaren, McLaren were terrible. And Charles Leclerc is on arguably supposed to be the best team in all of F1. So who's really at fault? Their their car still might truly be the fastest just in a
1: straight line. You know, we saw that when they were competing in Imola or Monza with with Max. So who knows? Uh, This is Oscar Piastri's first podium. At first, I was like, he's been on the podium before. And then Jeremiah reminded me that was a sprint race, which, you know what? If those are going to be this big of a part of F1 and give out, 12, 10, 12 points to the winner, we should start counting those as races. I mean, seriously.
0: I mean, they but, are many
1: races. I they're guess. having huge impacts on the sport. Uh, and then I really liked hearing Lando Norris's um, in-car radio messages after he crossed the line in second because he immediately said, did, did Oscar get third? double podium way to go and he was all happy like that's a team guy right there oh yeah though, all right winners
0: and losers who are your big winners of the day max for and the only reason i have to say that is because we were at one point saying i mean that's a given and then he lost so <laughs> Now we're going to go ahead and put him back in the winner's circle. He deserves it. Sergio Perez, I'm going to call him a winner just because he got to go out, take a nap, and then come back into the race. That's a man right there. He got to get any points or contribute to the team's victory in any way. No, not at all. I will say, like I said earlier, I'm going to give a winner spot to the Alpines since they were able to get into the points even though they were out in Q2 losers i'm gonna have to give the losers to ferrari just because they weren't in that mclaren fight like they have been in the past they have now been separated from mclaren as they triumph forward oh winners mclaren i'm sorry winners mclaren yeah Yeah. by far two and three dominating well compared to the rest of the grid (laughs) anyway losers for sure i'm gonna harp on george russell because we talked about this He's just, I don't know where this aggression has come from. He's not doing it properly. Like if you're going to be aggressive, look at how Max was aggressive and look at the dominance that he got from that. But now you're talking about like his teammates, Lewis Hamilton, who has aggressive moves, but he's more finesse. And George was moving in that way, learning from seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton. And it seems like now he's like, no, I just got to send it in every single corner. And you're going to hit walls. You're going to slap people. You're going to blow your tires. And then he's making a bad strategy call when he tries to do a one-stop on a track that clearly has high degradation. So Gonna give the loser spot to George Russell, not to Lewis Hamilton, because he put up one heck of a fight today. I'm gonna uh,
1: share, real quick, I'm gonna share my my winners, which match yours. So it's Verstappen and it's the mclaren specifically Oscar Piastri. Just he's the kid's part of the sport now. He's, he's getting good, man. Four losers. Give me Valtteri botas just because <laughs> oh. he kept just getting kicked over and over again, and this isn't a joke anymore but it's going to be every week for the past four weeks. Aston Martin. Not only is it the Lance Stroll thing where he hasn't finished in the top five since the third race of the year. And he hasn't gotten a single point in the last four races for what is supposed to be a top performing team. Now Alonzo's struggling because they haven't rolled out any good upgrade packages. We talked about this in the preview again, that what, I I threw out the hypothetical of what if Ferrari and McLaren's upgrades didn't take and you threw out the other side, which is what if Aston Martin had matched their performance, this leaderboard, you know, would be completely flipped around and Aston Martin would still be second tier like they were throughout the whole first half of the year.
0: If Aston Martin was able to keep the same upgrades coming in the same way that McLaren and Mercedes and Ferrari had done, we would. I don't think that we would see Lewis Hamilton ahead of Fernando Alonso. And not only that, but just because how Fernando Alonso hasn't been getting as many podiums in the big points as he has been, I'm pretty sure if they had been rolling out those upgrades and he was getting the normal podiums, he would have passed Sergio Perez probably taking the second spot. It was somewhere between
1: uh sp- spain and britain when ferrari and mclaren started rolling out upgrade packages right and ferrari redid their floor and their wing and mclaren redid everything (laughs) and then just slowly since then you can go look at their racing results like wikipedia is a really good way to view racing results with visual aids because it colors all the squares they just slowly start falling off but it's really easy to see i mean seriously Fernando Alonso and I mean Lance Stroll obviously not finishing anywhere near the top five anymore. But then Fernando Alonso goes from finishing second every race to third to fifth to six. Now he's finishing eighth or ninth every race. Come on, Aston Martin, do it's something.
0: It's hurt to watch just because I was such a heavy Aston Martin bandwagon at the beginning of this season, just because I mean, I, I for one will always stand with Fernando Alonso. And when I saw him go to Aston Martin and he was now competing for podiums again for the first time in a while, dude, that was sweet. And the sport needed to see it. The sport needed to see Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen and Fernando Alonso going at it. And I think we all are better for it. Last thing I want to touch on. We made some predictions. <clears throat> I think you win somehow. <laughs> yeah, because you had Max not winning, which was the dumbest prediction you could have had. I didn't even have him getting second. Like what?
1: So I had I had uh Max third, Lewis second and uh Lando Norris first. And for a little bit I thought that Lando Norris thing could have <laughs> could happen. And then Max proceeded to get up 30 seconds on him, then pit and then get up 20 seconds on him.
0: Dude, after FP1, I was like, and Max wins the Grand Prix. We (laughs) predicted before FP1. (laughs) We had no data. (laughs) My predictions, Verstappen, Sainz, and then Hamilton wasn't too far off. I didn't account for McLaren being as strong as they were on this track, which, you know, that's my fault. I thought Sainz was going to keep his awesome form with Ferrari that he's been holding out because he just won a race. So I thought, you know, seconds, not far-fetched. And then Hamilton, you know, uh, Mercedes has been keeping with Ferrari and keeping with McLaren for all this time. But then he had a rough start floor damage off the jump whenever they got that whole sandwich situation. And then he wasn't able to have the same pace as I think he wanted. And they even talked about that early on in the race. They came on and they were like, hey, man, there's some damage. Not going to lie to you. It's not going to be enough to hurt us too bad. But there is going to be a little bit of hindrance. And they weren't wrong. But he still finished in fifth. So, bad.
1: And, you know, going back to his signs real quick, uh, he definitely caused his own demise in this race, bumping around on that first lap. He took himself out of position. He probably messed up something somewhere on his car, and then just he didn't have the same race pace that, like, Leclerc
0: had the rest of the day. I do think it's funny that for a guy that qualified in, what, fifth, I think? Um, Sergio Perez. Neither one of us had him on the podium. I mean, you know it just
1: again we didn't know where we were qualified when we made those predictions so we don't we don't know what we're gonna get
0: from Sergio you never know
1: all right if you think that next year's Haas lineup should be uh Liam Lawson and Nick DeVries let me know
0: we'll rock with that I like that you don't have another one <laughs> no, that threw me off I wasn't ready for that But more seriously,
1: uh, if you have any thoughts on the Japanese Grand Prix, let us know down in the comments who are your big winners and losers from the day. And what are you looking for for the rest of the season? Does McLaren stand a chance?
0: Guys, if there is anything else that we might have missed, some things in the race that somehow we just skipped over, or if you can better explain anything that we might be in the dark on still, just because, like y'all, we're all learning here. So, I mean, if you have anything that you might have caught that we didn't catch, let us know down below. All right, we'll see you. Bye, guys.